Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Praise God. This morning we're talking about faith for healing. And I just want to share with you that when Jesus was here on earth, healing was a major part of his ministry. And if you'll do a study, what you'll discover is this. In three and a half years of ministry, he healed more people supernaturally than in 4,000 years of Old Testament history. Matter of fact, I venture to say in one week, he healed more people supernaturally than 4,000 years of human history. Something to be said about that, wouldn't you say? Yes. Why do we have a record in the Gospels of all these wonderful healings that have taken place? What's the thrust, the force behind, you could say the push, behind his healing ministry? Why did he do that? Well, some say just to demonstrate his deity. Nah. The main answer, the right answer, look at Matthew chapter 14 and verse 14. Here it is right here. And Jesus went forth. He just left a great multitude. He just ministered to a great multitude. And he was getting away to get some rest to be by himself. And he sees another great multitude and was moved with what? Compassion toward them and healed some of their sick. Oh. He healed their sick. If you were sick, you got healed. And why did he heal their sick? What was the thrust? What was the push? What was the motive? Compassion, which is sympathy toward the suffering of another, coupled with a yearning desire to alleviate the suffering. That's what moved him. That's what pushed him. He couldn't stand people being sick. Well, is Jesus any less compassionate today than he was when he was here on the earth? Absolutely not. Well, then what's the problem? Well, it seems like as though it may be difficult for people in this generation to receive supernatural healing from the Lord? Well, I think Hosea 4, 6 might give us some of the answer. Let's read that verse. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of God, I will also forget thy children. Notice those two things he said there. Lack of knowledge and the rejection of knowledge. They lack knowledge. They didn't have an understanding and they re rejected knowledge. If they got the knowledge, then they rejected it. They didn't want to have anything to do with it. So here he says, these are the two reasons why my people perish. Lack of knowledge and rejection of knowledge. Well, I do believe that we need to know some things. We need to know, number one, healing belongs to us. It was bought and paid for by the blood of the Lord. And secondly, we need to understand and have a revelation of how everything and anything God provides must be received by faith. And those two important truths right there. And how important is it, let's say, to, to believe right? Well, let me ask you this question. If your wire is a little bit 
separated in that outlet over there, you think it's going to work? No. Will, the, the, will there be a flow of electricity? But if you tweak that, just get it right, what's going to happen? You'll have a power flow, right? Sometimes I hear people say, um, why didn't God heal so-and-so? Well, let's use Bill as an example. Why didn't God heal Bill? Is that really the accurate way to say that? No. Mm -mm. I'll tell you why. Would you ever say, why didn't God save Bill? No, the more accurate would, way would be this. I wonder why Bill didn't receive his salvation that Jesus bought and paid for. I wonder what kept him from coming to the cross or coming to Christ, right? So take it over to the area of healing. You wouldn't say, why didn't God heal Bill? You would say, why didn't Bill receive his healing that God purchased by the blood of the Lamb? There could be many reasons. So it's not on God. It's on our end. Last I checked, he's perfect and I'm not. How about you? Same with you? Last I checked, I can make a mistake, but he can't. I can miss the mark, but he can't. You see, that's taking full responsibility for our own lives. I'm not going to come up with some other kind of doctrine that says, well, if he wanted me healed, he would have healed me. Really? He already healed you 2,000 years ago. It's me receiving it. And that's what I want to talk about. Faith for healing this morning. We need it so badly, especially in the day in which we live. Because man is still limited. He can only do so much. There's a scripture in Jeremiah 17, I believe, verse 5. It talks about how cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm. In other words, if all we're going to do is only believe what man can do, then we are limited to man's knowledge and understanding. True. So to go beyond that, we need something bigger than man. And that's God. And that's why we have to, in church, begin to understand these principles and apply them to our lives so that we can experience the things that he bought and paid for us through the blood of his son. Number one, without faith, the gospel benefits no one. Look in the book of Hebrews, chapter four. And I'm going to give you chapter. I'm going to give you verse. I'm going to give you line upon line, precept upon precept. And it's for all of us. Let us therefore fear. What's the therefore? Therefore. Because the verse prior to that in chapter 3 and verse 19, I believe it is, said they couldn't enter in the promises of God because of their unbelief. Okay, so let us therefore fear, lest the promise being less left us of entering into his rest. And if you should seem to come short of it for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not benefit or profit them not being mixed with what? With faith. In them that heard it. So the problem was not the gospel message. The problem was not being mixed with what? Faith in them that heard it. So to receive it, we've got to have an understanding of faith and how it works, its operation. But notice the word mix, not being mixed with it. I'm no baker, but I venture to say that if you've got all these ingredients and you put, you're going to bake a cake or something like that, and you put all the ingredients in a pot, in a pan, whatever, and you didn't mix it and stuck it in the oven... How many would want to eat that? But if you mixed it thoroughly and then did the right thing and put it in the oven, I think you'd have a pretty good cake going. The gospel is a wonderful message. But if we don't mix faith with it, it does not benefit or profit anyone. As a matter of fact, 
the way we access all the grace of God that we live in is by faith. Look at Romans chapter 5 and verses 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom, that is Jesus, also we have access, how? By faith into what? Into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So, access grace, how? By faith. It's by faith we access the grace of God as far as the gospel is concerned. Well, let's prove that out. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. When it comes to the grace of salvation, how do we access it? For by grace are you saved, how? Through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Okay, so we access salvation, how? By faith. The grace of salvation comes by faith. That's how we access it. And then when it comes to this grace of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, how is that accessed? Well, look at the book of Galatians chapter 3 and verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. How? Through faith. So it's through faith we access the grace of God that provides this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there was a, a couple of people, this is many years ago, but it bears repetition here, said, for 15 years I've tried to receive the Holy Spirit. God mustn't want me to have the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues and all that. And I said, well, why? Well, I've been asking for 15 years. I said, you've been asking for 15 years? Yes. I said, did you ever stop and believe you received it? What do you mean? When did you believe you received it? Well, I just keep asking him for it. I said, I want 15 minutes of your time. Sit with me for 15 minutes. I guarantee you, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. We did that. See, no one ever taught her. No one ever showed her. It's like tweaking that one little thing, that one little wire, putting it together. I said, you've been asking, but you never believed you received it. And you're going to see a principle is this. Faith makes prayer work, not prayer making faith work. And so once she tweaked that, she got filled with the Holy Ghost and said, I could have been doing this for 15 years. I said, I know. See, it's a little thing like that. Lack of knowledge will keep people from receiving the benefits of the gospel. And then also look at uh, Mark's gospel, chapter 5 and verse 34. This woman is known as the woman with the issue of blood. I wish she had a name. But she doesn't, that we know of. And he said to this woman that had the issue of blood, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Thy faith hath made thee whole. How did she access the grace of healing? By faith. Thy faith hath made thee whole. We'll explain this a little bit later when I, I give you the whole details. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. So how did she receive this grace for healing? By faith, she tapped into it. So without faith, we cannot experience the blessings of the gospel, even salvation. Uh, number two, without faith, we can't receive from God. Look at James chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. Without faith, we cannot receive from God. If God wanted me to have it, he would. No, that's not how it works. He wants you to have it. He wants us to have it. He wants us to be saved. He wants us to be healed. He wants us to be delivered. He wants us to be filled with the Holy Ghost and power. But we have to receive it by faith. What he wants is already established and set in motion. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. And it shall be given him. But let him ask how? In faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything. That means wisdom or anything of the Lord because the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So when it comes to receiving from God, how do we have to ask? In faith, 
without wavering. Now, if he just would have said in faith, maybe we're halfway there. But when he says without wavering, uh-oh. And why is that an uh-oh? I'll say it like this. Because between every promise and the fulfillment of the promise is a wilderness. How we act in this wilderness will determine whether or not we get into the promise. When God gave a promise to the promised land, to the Israelites, under Moses' leadership, they didn't enter in. And why didn't they enter in? Unbelief is the reason. So how they acted in the wilderness was they murmured, they complained. They murmured and complained. Ah, God said he was going to help us. And well, finally, that generation died off and he raised up another Joshua generation, a faith generation, and told them, same promise is yours. When I told them, I'm telling you. What's the difference between the two? Faith. Joshua's generation was a faith generation. They believed God and they entered in. And notice how God had them keep their mouths shut and don't say anything derogatory or negative about the situation when they went around the walls of Jericho all those times. Amen. But they got in. How? By faith. So we can't receive from God without faith. He absolutely requires us to have faith. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, he says it this way. But without faith, it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. In other words, it's unable to occur. It's just not going to happen. What's not going to happen? We can't please God. We can't please God without faith. Why? Because we're trusting in his integrity. That he's truthful. That he doesn't lie. And he wants us to believe him that way. So when we come to God, we must believe that he is. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So it's by faith that we receive salvation. It's by faith that we receive healing, uh, prosperity, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the list goes on and on. Protection, whatever it is. So it's on our end to see to it that we're operating in faith and not unbelief. Some don't like to hear that, which I don't know why that's true. Wouldn't you want to know? Those girls got filled with the Holy Ghost after 15 years of wanting something. In 15 minutes, because they heard the truth. And I thank God where we can receive other ways. And there's many other ways to receive from God, even gifts of the Spirit and that sort of thing. But when it comes to the just living their entire lives, they shall live by what? Faith. The just shall live by what? Faith. By faith. And that's why, thank God for all those that bring us to this place. But to continue, you've got to live by faith. You know what? You've got to hear it all the time. And you'll see why. Number three, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. If God demands that we have faith, which he does, and doesn't give us a means by which to obtain faith, he's unjust and unfair, wouldn't you say? Well, how does faith come? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing by the word of God. So what we hear will produce faith in our lives. And if we hear the wrong thing, we'll have faith in the wrong thing. If we hear the wrong way, will walk the wrong way. Look in the book of Acts, and in your notes there, this is wrong. It says 10, but it should be 14, verses 7 through 10. Beginning at verse 7, chapter 14, not 10. And there they preached the gospel. That's Barnabas and Paul. And what did they preach? The gospel. Well, what gospel did they preach? Remember this. Jesus taught Paul the gospel. And Paul preached the gospel. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb. So he never walked. The same heard Paul speak, 
who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. What did he have to be healed? Said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. So here we see something that's so important to note. What Paul preached produced faith in that man to be healed. So what do you think Paul preached? Healing is not for today. It died with the last apostle. God wants you to stay sick because you could serve him better that way. You were born that way. You're under a curse. And that was God's will for your life. I don't think he heard that. Do you? He may have heard something like this. When they killed our Lord on the cross, he became sin for you. He became sickness for you. He became disease for you. He became the curse for you. He bore it all for you so that you could rise up and be saved, healed, delivered, set free, and made whole by the stripes he bore on his back. Now that produces faith, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And that's exactly what he preached. That's exactly what the man heard. That's why he had faith to be healed. But with all these doctrines that we hear today, it's a no, no wonder that the body of Christ is somewhat paralyzed through fear. Lack of knowledge, unbelief. And some will even fight for the right to remain sick. Did you know that? Think about that. Oh, no, no, no. It's not. This is my cross to bear. God wants me to be this way. Nothing could be further from the truth. You're being deceived by the enemy. Jesus didn't pay the price for your Sickness and disease so that you could carry it. He bore it for you so that you didn't have to carry it. Now, does that mean we're going to walk 100% in the reality of that revelation? Well, it depends on how much effort we put into it. See, he paid the price. He did all the work for us. It's us, up to us to believe for it from the heart in faith. Look at uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. And notice this, this is the woman we talked about a little bit earlier. Notice it says a certain woman. And why does Jesus say a certain woman? Why does the scripture say that? So that we know that it's, a, it's not a parable. This is a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things that many physicians had spent all that she had was nothing better, but rather grew worse. So she is adamant about trying to get help, trying to get healed through physicians and everything else. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garments for she said if I may but touch his clothes I shall be whole hmm. and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body she was healed of that plague and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him turned him about in the press and said lady with the issue of blood is that what she said is that what he said Thanks for your help, Aaron. I appreciate that. What did he say? Now, wait a minute. He's Jesus. He knows all things, right? How about it? He had no part in this other than being there. And this woman did this on her own and got to him, <clears throat> motivated by faith, touched his garment, and she was healed of that plague. He said, who touched my clothes? Peter probably stands up and says, man, you see the crowd thronging you. And who, how do you say who touched my clothes? He said, no, someone made a demand upon my ability. Someone made a demand upon my ability. I felt virtue go out from me. Well, there's not a bunch of people around here touching you. I know that, but someone touched me in faith. You know, you could touch him physically. 
Someone once said this, if he was here, we could touch him. It wouldn't matter if you touched him physically. It matters if you touch him in faith. And that's exactly what she did. Now, why did she do that? What did she hear? Did she hear 40% of the people that touched the hem of his garment get healed? Is that what she heard? No, what did she hear? Anyone who touches his garment gets healed. Now, you talk about her challenges along the way. She's a Jewish woman. She's under the law. There's no way she could be among other people. She's unclean because of the issue of blood. She can't touch anyone. No one can touch her. And there she is at her little college cottage, isolated by herself, alone from society, living a miserable life because she has this condition. Spent all her life savings, was nothing better, rather grew worse, and you just read the story. But when she heard that, oh my goodness, she put on her best dress. She got herself up out. She said to her religious tradition, get behind me. You're not going to stop me. I am going to find him. I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. And when I do, I will be whole. That's faith. And when she got there and he was thronged by the crowd, what does she do? Gets on her knees and crawls between their legs. She doesn't cry out, I'm unclean. That would have been the easier path to him. Everybody would have scattered. But she said, uh-uh, man. And she grabbed the hem of his garment. Virtue went out of him. It was like electricity. The power of God was transferred into her body in such a way that she was instantly healed and made whole of that plague. Now, how do you say, well, it wasn't God's will, was it not God's will? God had nothing to do with it. Jesus had nothing to do with it. She just heard of Jesus. Jesus didn't even know she was behind him. But her faith, he says, your faith, not my power, your faith has made you whole. So he tapped, she tapped into his power with her faith, and that's how she was healed. Now notice this next verse. It's very important in Matthew 13, verse 15. For this people's heart is wax gross, their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted or changed and I should heal them. Now notice in that one verse, Jesus talks about healing involving our ears, our eyes. Think about that. Our ears, our eyes, our heart. And our will, you could say, to change our decision. What are we listening to? What are we seeing? What are we believing? And what are we doing? And it's almost like a parent. Look, look at Proverbs 4. You see the same thing basically revealed here. Proverbs 4, 23-22. My son, give full attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings, let them not depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Hallelujah. Now once again what he says, give attention to my word. Why? Because he sent his word to heal us and deliver us. Incline your ear, listen to what I'm saying, he says. Like a parent would tell a child, Listen to what I'm saying, son or daughter. Listen to what I'm saying. Keep them before your eyes. Think about what I'm saying. In your heart, believe what I'm saying. And then you'll be converted. You'll be changed. And I should heal them. So we see that healing involves our hearing, our seeing, 
our perceiving and understanding in our heart and also making a decision. You've heard me say this oftentimes. Maybe someone's here by live streaming. You never heard it. I once said that it wasn't the will of God for me to have any more children because my older children's mother couldn't have children. And I, I said that to another believer. You know who's ain't. And you now have a face to Jose Feliciano now, right? You know who he is. He was here. And he said to me, read Psalm 128. See, see, these things happen. They're not magical, but there's something there that clicks, that connects. You know what I mean? I open up Psalm 128. I read Psalm 128. Blessed is a man who fears the Lord, walks in his ways. His wife shall be a fruitful vine by the size of his house and children like, his, like olive plants around your table. And I saw those words and they penetrated my soul. I was lying by saying, God doesn't want me to have any more kids. I'm newly saved. Give me, slack. Give me a little slack here. I just got saved. I didn't know this. He was more seasoned. He said, read that. I read it. First place I went to, my knees. Don't let this just pass you by. I got on my knees and I said, Father, I misrepresented you. I've told countless people, it's not your will for me to have more children. And that not, is not true. Forgive me for doing that. Your word says this. I believe this above what a doctor says, above what the body says. I believe your word above it all. And the rest is history. Went home, prayed, healed of endometriosis. Within two weeks, pregnant. After five years of believing the lie. But now how do you pass that on to someone else? How do you? I don't think you can. They got to catch it for themselves. See, I had respect for the word of God. I held it in the highest esteem. I don't even know how I did because my background was as such that I came out of a, a church that didn't really teach you to study the Bible or read the Bible. I just had this inward thing about me that exalts the word of God above anything else in my life. And when I saw that, it just hit me square between the eyes. And that was it. As far as I was concerned, God's word is true. And it came to pass. Uh, number four. Faith makes prayer work, and this is essential. Look at Matthew 21, 22. Faith makes prayer work. I've been praying and praying and praying. Those women were praying for 15 years and got nothing. The moment they got in faith, guess what? They got it. All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, doubting you shall receive. All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, wavering, you shall receive. All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing. One translation says, having faith, you shall receive. Notice the place that faith, believing, holds in our receiving the benefits of the gospel. All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Well, believing what, Lord? It's one thing to say, I believe, but believe what? Someone says, I believe in God. Well, that's wonderful if that doesn't save you. But I believe in God that doesn't save you. 
You've got to believe that Jesus is the Son of the Most High God who left the glory world behind, who came to the earth, who robed himself in flesh and walked on this earth and showed himself to be the Son of God, the Messiah of the Israelites. And then he went to a cross where he suffered, where he died for you. And then when he died, he was raised from the dead on the third day, took his blood to the high court of heaven, obtained eternal redemption for you. And he came back to tell you, you've got to be born again. There's a big difference. Saying, I believe in God. The devils believe in God and tremble. See, so what do we believe, Lord? Well, Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, tell us. They tell us what to believe. Jesus answering, saith unto them, have faith in God. Now, every time I use this and I say, my margin of my Bible says have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith, I get criticized for that because it says have faith in God. Okay, let's just leave it at that. Have faith in God. Jesus is demonstrating what faith in God looks like. And guess what he did? He saw a fig tree. He spoke to it and he said, no man, he fruit of thee hereafter forever. Went into the temple, did his thing, came back out, went back home, probably to Peter's house. Got back up, went the next day, going to the temple once again. And the disciples said, hey, Lord, the fig tree you cursed is dead. You know what he says? Have faith in God. Well, if he is showing us what faith in God looks like, then this is what faith in God looks like. He said, it looks like this. You speak and expect God to back it up. He believed in his words. You speak. I spoke to that tree and I expected my father to see to it that it came to pass. That brings us to the next verse, verse 23. That's what it looks like. You're so sure of what you know from the word of God. You're so sure of your covenant right that you speak on behalf of God and God backs it up. That's why he said, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. And that is the law of faith. So in showing us what faith looks like, that's what it looks like. And marvel not at this. You could speak to that mountain over there and tell it, jump in the lake. And it will obey you. Why? Because you're not the one doing it. You're just speaking it. The force behind it is the throne of God. And that's exactly what Jesus knew. So when you say to that mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and don't doubt in your heart. Notice, don't doubt in your heart. He didn't say you can have wavering and doubt in your heart, but don't doubt in your heart. But believe in what you're saying will come to pass. You will have whatever you say. That's the law of faith. So now we can see what faith looks like. You speak the word of God to a situation. You expect God to honor the words that you're speaking because you're speaking his word over the situation. And thirdly, look at the next verse. Therefore, and what do we say about a therefore? Find out what it's there for. It's therefore because verse 23 says, this is the law of faith. The law of faith says, if I believe in my heart what I'm saying will come to pass, I'll have what I'm saying. So therefore, whatever you desire, when you what? Pray. Now comes prayer. This is the prayer of faith. Whatever you desire, when you pray, Believe it's going to come in a long distant future. No. No. Whatever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive 
them and you will have them. What's the law? What's the prayer of faith say? When I'm asking God for something, I'm supposed to believe at that moment I receive it. I receive it. I believe I receive it. Right? Right then. I'm to believe I receive it. And then I'll have it. So what's my part? To believe I received it. Now, wait a minute. Does it look like it? Mm-mm. Does it feel like it? Mm-mm. Do others see it? Mm-mm. Well, then what are you saying? I'm saying what he said. He said, when you pray, believe you receive it. And then you will have it. Our part is to believe we receive it. His part is to see to it that we have it. So, if I ask him for something, and guess what? I'm to believe I receive it. Now, how silly would this be? Dante asked me for this Bible. Can I have a Bible? Can you have a Bible? No, can you have a Bible? Oh, can I? Yeah. Here. Thank you. Okay. How would it be, keep asking me, can I have a Bible? Can I have a Bible? What? Can I have a Bible? Can I have this Bible? Why are you asking me? I haven't believed I received I guess not. I know that seems funny, but is, is it not? The, do you see the point? Uh, Lord, I believe I receive. I ask you to heal me. I believe I receive my healing tomorrow. Lord, I know you're going to heal me. Faith never says, I know you're going to heal me. Or I know you're going to do anything. Faith says it's already done. Faith says I've already received it. Faith says I have it. This is called the wilderness. This is called the fight of faith. This is called putting on your gloves and going toe to toe with the devil, the world, and the flesh. Because the devil will say you didn't get it. The world will say you didn't get it. And your flesh will tell you you don't feel like you got it. But there you are in the wilderness and you can sit back and just go, but I know he's going to heal me. Faith does not say that. Faith doesn't say anything about the future. I believe I received it when I asked him. I like to say it this way. If you believe you receive it in its invisible form, it will materialize in the visible form. And you say, well, that seems to me like you're nitpicking. Tell that to an electrician when the two wires are apart. I tried plugging plug this thing and it, it doesn't work. It's never going to work. Not until you get the wires connected. You get the wires connected, it'll work. Can you see that? Yeah. Now, you're going to be challenged along the way, which is why, look at Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 1, because we have to see this. It's not God's going to heal me. So if you've said, I believe I received healing or I've been prayed for, and I know God's just going to heal me, God's just going to heal me, you're out of faith. That shouldn't be offensive. That should be a light bulb going on and an eye opener and saying, well, I guess I'm not there yet. So what do I want to do? Correct what I'm doing, put the wires together and get there. Look what it says. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. And I love this last part. Faith perceiving as fact what is not revealed to the senses. Whoa. It's perceiving as fact What's not revealed to the senses. I don't see it. I don't fear it. Feel it. I don't hear it. But I have it. I 
have it now. Thank God I have it now. I, I asked him. I received it. I have it. I'm thanking him for it. Not I'm going to get it. That's little thing that really sets people back. You should never pray until you're ready to fight this good fight of faith. Because once you say, I believe I receive my healing, the devil's going to get all of his cohorts together and say, what's your address? What's your address? He's coming over. Okay. To try to get you to deny it. To uproot your faith. Hearing, seeing, believing, changing. I'm changing it from this point on. I asked my father, here's what faith says. I asked my father yesterday to heal my body. I believe he heard me. I believe I receive it. I believe I have it. And I'm thanking God right now. Thank God that yesterday I received it and I have it. Past tense, present tense, never future tense. Okay. Well, now look at the 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For a light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at things which are seen. Oh, stop right there. While we what? Look not at things which are seen. How do you look at things that are not seen? But at the things which are not seen. Because the things which are seen are temporal or subject to change. But the things which are not seen are eternal and they are forever. So how does faith operate in this realm here? I know it, it, it runs cross grain with the way we think. It has nothing to do with our five physical senses. It goes beyond the natural world and realm. And what we do is we exalt God's word, which is like our sixth sense, which is faith, above what we see. I may not see it, hear it, feel it, but I'm declaring it to be true in my life, period. Remember uh, Peter talked about who having not seen yet you believe and you love Jesus because he saved you. And even though you don't see him, you know you're saved by his grace and you've got joy unspeakable and full of glory. You embrace him even though you don't see him. And you know he's real even though you don't see him. Well, you know you received your healing or your deliverance because you acted on the word of God. You asked God to do it. And now you know you have it. And you're not leaving that position or that stance of faith. Even though you're going to be attacked from every direction, you stop right there and you say, absolutely not. Now, let me give you an example in the, in the Bible, Numbers 13, to show us these two camps. The Moses camp. And the Joshua camp. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and Aaron, to all the congregation of the children of Israel, and unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of it. And they told him and said, We came to the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it flows with milk and honey. Well, that was true. And this is the fruit of it. Yeah. Nevertheless, uh-oh. The people be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb said, or he still the people before Moses. Wait a minute. You know what Caleb said? Stop talking. That's what he said. He saw the same thing they saw. 
Caleb sealed the people before Moses. He said, let us go up at once and possess it for a while able to take it. But the men that went with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. What were they going by? What they saw. What they saw. What they heard. So, that dominated their thinking, that dominated their faith, and that's all they could focus on, that's all they could see. But Caleb said, uh-uh. I may see the same physical realities, but I'm telling you right now, God is on our side, and we are well able to take the land and guess what? If you study this out, there's no time now, you find out that these people already conceded the land, even at that time, and all they had to do is walk across the Jordan, and they would have given them the land. Rahab the harlot, she, she confirms that. She says it. What's taking you so long to get here? Everybody's defense fell from them. We were giving you the land. We saw what you did to the king of Og and, and uh, Bashan. We saw that. And so we were ready to con concede and give you the land what took you 40 years to get here? Unbelief. That's what happened. So faith says, my focus is not on what I see, hear, feel, taste, smell. My focus is on what God said. And what did God say? When you get to the land, there's going to be Hittites. There's going to be Jebusites. There's going to be Amorites. There's going to be Hittites. There's going to be termites. And they're going to be in the land. Okay. But I will send my angel before you to drive them out of the land. And what did they, who did they believe? What they saw, not what God said. What a shift. Uh, look at this last one, John 20. Faith believes it receives without seeing. It's based on the integrity of God's word. I can't tell you how many people have been healed in this church because of a message like this. Many have. And I can guarantee you this, many otherwise would not have been without applying these principles in their lives because God expects us to live by faith. Look at John 20, 24 through 29. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, this is after the resurrection, when the others saw Jesus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger to the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side. Boy, he's a real believer, huh? I will not believe. At least he's honest. After eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Would you like to be Thomas right then? Uh-uh, I'm changing my name right now. <laughs> reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not what? Be not what? If you have to see it, if you have to feel it, what's he saying that is? Faithless, but believing and Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you believe. But blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. You know, it's possible to believe without seeing. And that's what faith is all about. 
That's exactly what faith is all about. And real quickly, just give me, can I have two more minutes? Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen. Okay. Look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Because this here is the culmination of it all. Guess what? You have this kind of faith. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to, everybody say every man. Amen. The measure of faith. Did you ever play a card game? Did everybody get the same amount of cards? Did it deal you out a card? If they ever skipped you once, did you stop and complain and say, hey, you missed me? God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So when someone says, I don't really have, you have the measure of the faith that Jesus was talking about. But the problem is lack of knowledge. We don't know it. I was never taught it. I didn't know it because I was not taught it when I was growing up in church. Never heard you could speak to a mountain. Never heard he bore my sickness and carried my pains. But praise God, he dealt to all of us the measure of faith. When you got saved, you got the measure of faith. What you do with it from that time on is up to you. That's why we get into the word of God, because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So we have the measure of faith that moves mountains. Say with me, I have faith. faith. The God kind of faith. Miracle working faith. Now, now, in my life, I have faith. Amen. So how is faith communicated? How is faith released? Well, there's, there's one more minute. Let's, let's just finish this. 2 Corinthians 4.13. I'll just give you these scriptures real quick. We having the same spirit of what? We have it. According as it is written, I believe, therefore have I what? Have I what? Therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore what? How was your faith released? By what we say. Oh, there's nothing but mount, mount, giants in the land. There's nothing but the Hittites, the Amorites, all that stuff. Yeah, there's your faith. Your faith is in the size of the giants. Your faith is in the size of the walls. Or you could be like Joshua and Caleb, just say, they're bread for us. They're bread for us. Thank God, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Can you, there's a difference right there. Look at next one. James 2, 25, 26. How is it communicated? How? By actions. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and sent them out the other way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is what? Dead also. In other words, we walk it out. We say it and we walk it out. We declare it and we walk it out. Those two together, faith and action, produce this, ne this next thing. Look at Hebrews chapter 6. The last one, it's faith and patience that inherit promises. And patience is because it doesn't happen always instantly. There's going to be that wilderness that you got to walk in. All right, ready? Here it is. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will, blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. So after he had, what? Patiently endured, he obtained the promise. When we talk about patience, we're not talking about just sitting back doing nothing. Patience in that respect means this. I am in faith. I'm staying in faith. And nothing is going to get me out of faith. I believe I received it. I believe I have it. 
I declare it to be true in my life in the wilderness. See, the giants may look tough, but God's tougher. They may look big, those walls, but God's bigger. And I'm staying in faith to inherit the promise. Amen. Let's all stand together before the Lord.